Turn to Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 39. Listen to the holy infallible word of God. Mark 1, 29. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her. And she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising the very early in the morning... When it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, what majesty we have seen in Christ even in this passage We ask, O Lord, that we would understand the great gospel that he has brought to us and to the world. May we have the conviction of what it means to us and to the church, to the kingdom that he has established. In Christ's name, amen. Last week, we noted carefully that Mark begins his earthly ministry, the earthly ministry of Christ in relationship to his church. Specifically, we observed that Christ, the head of his church, does not begin any action in his public battle with Satan without his initial disciples. Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John being in place. His body, the foundation of his church. Immediately, Christ and his four initial disciples went into the city of Capernaum and entered the synagogue. They were joined at the hip as the gospel of good news goes forward. 
verse 21 of the text of Mark. Hence, Mark opens Christ's public ministry by bringing to our attention three incidences within a 24-hour period. First, his teaching in the synagogue and his exorcism, chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. Secondly, going into our two Simon Peter's and Andrew's house, healing Simon's mother-in-law, and then healing and casting out demons, chapter 1, 29 through 34. And thirdly, his departure to pray and proceed to do his ministry, chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. Last week, we examined the first incident. This morning, we will focus only on verses 29 through 31 of the second incident. As we move to verses 29 through 31, we notice that Christ enters the house of Simon, Peter, and Andrew along with James and John, verse 29. Remember the scene is still the Jewish Sabbath day, the seventh day of the week. We have already seen the extraordinary activity of our Savior on this day in the synagogue. We have heard that his authoritative teaching, we have heard his authoritative teaching of the supernatural word of God that far exceeds the traditions constructed around the human laws designed by the scribes, verses 21 and 22. Indeed, Christ's teaching carried with it the decision the decision of the gospel to repent and believe, verse 15. But that is not all. Jesus' authority and power that the kingdom of God is at hand and yet present becomes visible as Jesus silences the demon and tears the unclean spirit out of that man. Verses 23 through 27. Yes, in this initial narrative of Mark's gospel, we have entered into the cosmic battle of Christ between Christ and Satan. Clearly evident in both the teaching of Christ and his supreme power over the forces of Satan. As we noted last week, it is not a coincidence that Mark arranges his narrative with immediate attention upon the Sabbath. Christ's gospel of good news is moving us into a new era of God, a new era of God's providence over against the old era. We are to fasten our attention upon the transition from the old to the new in Christ. Christ's ministry in life is moving cosmic history from the Sabbath rest 
for the people of God on the seventh day to the actual beginning of the final Sabbath rest of the people of God, the first day of the week. Verses 21 through 31 gives us a foretaste, a foretaste of Christ's Sabbath rest that will underline his entire gospel in this initial story of Christ, his teaching, his church, his authority, his power. Remember in Christ the final end of our Sabbath rests, shapes the beginning of Mark's narrative. Will you receive this morning this understanding through the power of the Holy Spirit in your own life? Well, come into the text in repentance and faith and be a participant witness to what the Spirit records here for you through Mark. Once again... We are about to witness something significant on this this Sabbath day. Immediately, Jesus, he left the synagogue. He left the synagogue immediately. Please note that in verses 29 through 39, Mark never mentions Jesus or Christ by name. He is always referred to as he, him, you. This is significant as we will see later on. As he exits the synagogue, he enters Simon and Andrew's house, where Simon's mother-in-law was laid up with a serious fever which could be fatal. Notice the important movement in the text. In verse 28, notice there in verse 28, Mark comments that fame spread everywhere throughout the region of Galilee about Jesus. Then the narrative moves to a common home. A common home. Away from the fame spread by the people. Yes, it happens to be Simon Peter's house. This is the only occurrence that we have in the entire Gospel of Mark that Simon Peter was married. But the attention is not upon Simon's wife. The attention of the text is focused upon Simon's mother-in-law, who receives the attention of the text because of her illness. Verse 30 of the text. Does it seem strange that Mark's narrative would place Simon's mother-in-law's illness as part of the 
initial introduction to the earthly ministry of Christ's gospel of the kingdom here in Mark. After all, this incident does not recorded by Matthew until Matthew chapter 8. Nor is it recorded by Luke until Luke chapter 4. Yet in Mark's gospel, it is placed right at the very beginning. With respect to Mark's gospel, let me remind you from our introductory message in this series that Mark and Peter were friends. In Acts chapter 12, verse 12, when Peter was miraculously rescued out of prison, Peter came to the, to the house owned by Mark's mother, Mary. Perhaps more noteworthy, Mark composed his gospel when he and Peter were in Rome together, or it was composed after Peter departed Mark's presence in Rome. First Peter chapter 5, verse 13. In light of their close relationship as well as Peter's first-hand knowledge of the daily life of Christ, it is not surprising that this particular story opens Christ's ministry in Mark's gospel of the good news. Like much of the narrative in the New Testament, Mark will picture Peter as the point disciple among the disciples. Look down at verse 36 in the present context of this 24-hour period. You can see the exact point I am making. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, that is Christ. Simon is specifically mentioned as leading the search for Jesus. Well, this brings me back to the observation made by a number of conservative scholars about verses 29 through 39. Remember, as I have already stated, the name of Jesus or Christ does not appear in these verses. Rather, Jesus is only referred to as he, him, you. The thought here by these scholars is that Mark is incorporating this part of his narrative through the eyes of Peter. Simply put, Mark writes these verses from Peter's own point of view. Peter provides the first-hand report of the healing of his wife's mother and the events that follow on that day into the next morning. As Mark incorporates Peter's report, we do not want to miss the masterful manner as to how the Holy Spirit presents the gospel of God on this one day. After his teaching and exorcism in the synagogue, we are told that immediately 
He leaves the synagogue. There's the word again. Mark's key word. Something significant is about to happen. He enters also. He enters the house of Simon and Andrew along with James and John. Then we are told that Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever. And what does the text say? And immediately, there it is again, the disciples told him about her. Mark here injects two, (laughs) two immediately, (laughs) two of them into Peter's telling of this story. The point here is, does the text have your attention? Does the text have your attention? What is so so significant about these two occurrences? Immediately he leaves the synagogue. Immediately he is told that Peter's mother-in-law has a fever. What's the big deal? (laughs) Jesus will walk out of the synagogue on other occasions. Also, Jesus will will be told of people being ill on numerous occasions. So what's the big deal here? The key here is this. From verses 21 through 31. On the Jewish Sabbath, Mark is providing us with the grand scope of the gospel of God, the necessity to repent and believe because the kingdom of God is at hand and is being fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Verses 21 through 27, to repeat, we have two important components of Christ's ministry of the gospel. First, his teaching, his preaching. And second, his power over the kingdom of Satan's companions. Indeed, Christ is the supreme authority over all things in the universe. But there is one other aspect that Christ must rectify. One more aspect that Christ must rectify that entered into creation because of sin. It is the weakness, the frailty, Of our flesh. The residence. Of both soul and body. That ends in death. Are you seeing it? Are you seeing it? Because humans are sinners. Your soul and body must endure. Every single day. The curse of the ground that will make humanity sweat. That will make humanity live in pain. 
We are nothing but dust, and to dust we shall return. Genesis 3, verse 19. Immediately, immediately, Jesus leaves the synagogue to enter into a ministry that he will reverse. He will reverse the curse of the fall into sin. Verse 29. Immediately Jesus is told about the serious fever. The result of the fall in Peter's wife's mother. You are witnessing here the service that only Jesus provides for his people. Within the confines of the church. You're witnessing that in terms of Peter's mother-in-law. Christ has entered into the cosmic battle with Satan to serve his beloved children, his beloved flock. And what is at the heart of his service? To release those under the curse of the fall to restoration. To restoration. Do you want to see? Do you want to see a servant's heart in the kingdom this morning? Then let's not look any further than our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus, with the mere touch of lifting his hand, completely relieves the serious fever from her body. What service! What a servant! This one who is the sovereign of the cosmos humbly enters. A common home, let me underline that, humbly enters a common home and brings the long-awaited reversal to the human soul and body. Christ demonstrates to Peter and these initial disciples what service from the Son of God in his kingdom, in his church, really looks like the tenderness, the compassion, the love of Christ poured out to Peter's mother-in-law. Indeed, Mark is laying out the scope The scope of Christ's entire ministry of the gospel of God on this Jewish Sabbath day. But also the eternal Sabbath is being previewed right here before you. You cannot miss this. What are we told in scripture about the eternal Sabbath? Heaven and earth will pass away. 
But the word of the Lord will never pass away. You have this truth being revealed by Christ as he, the word of God, proclaims the word of God in the synagogue. Then, secondly, Christ rebukes the demon and casts him out of the man. Indeed, in the final Sabbath, in the final Sabbath, Of the heavenly glory, Satan and his minions will have absolutely no place in heaven. No place in heaven. Thirdly, thirdly, as you enter that eternal heavenly rest, the service of God's Son to extinguish the curse of the fall is totally, is totally accomplished for all of you here in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. There will be no more sin. No more tears. No more pain. No more illness. No more death. All previewed in Christ's healing of Peter's mother-in-law. Before we close, we must see the genius of how Mark's gospel is put together. I hate to steal the thunder of the final chapter of this gospel already (laughs) as we are just in the first chapter, but you can't miss the connection here concerning the genius of the Holy Spirit working upon Mark in terms of the organization of this gospel. You must see how the resurrection of Christ in Mark 16, is connected to our text this morning. Look closely at chapter 1, verse 31. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her. Let me ask you, is anything coming into your mind right now as you read that text? Especially around that term, that phrase there, lifted her up. Turn over to Mark 16, Mark 16, verses 6 and 7. If you have your Bibles in front of you. A young man at the tomb tells Mary Magdalene, Mark 16, 6 and 7, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, that Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, he is risen. Tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. As I was looking at 131 this week and saw that word lifted up, I couldn't think outside the box in terms of biblical revelation. 
I said to myself, I will bet the same Greek word is used in terms of lifted up and Christ is risen. Guess what? It is. It's the exact same Greek word. Yes, Mark employs the same Greek word for Christ is risen in 16:6 and that Christ is lift and that Christ lifted her up in chapter 131. This is not a coincidence. Christ's act of lifting Peter's mother-in-law up is an act of resurrection. A preview of the resurrection of the church of Jesus Christ in that final Sabbath who will not suffer from the curse of the fall any longer. Isn't that wonderful to know? For all of us. As Christ's resurrection. Will be the foundation of moving the Sabbath. To the first day of the week. We see this previewed. As Christ resurrects Peter's mother-in-law. And the fever immediately. Immediately leaves her. In the temporal realm. She is experiencing the benefits of the eternal Sabbath rest of God's people. On the Jewish Sabbath, we are witnessing the eternal Sabbath in Christ. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Let it be a strength to your life right now. And remember the position of Peter in our text. The story being told from his perspective and his lead position among the disciples. We'll notice in 16.7 that we are told, tell the disciples and Peter also associated with Mark chapter 1, is that we have Jesus of Nazareth. Chapter 1, verse 9. Chapter 16, verse 6. And that the resurrected Christ returns to Galilee. We tried to say in our messages on Mark 1, how important that locale is to Mark's narrative. I'm showing you that importance now in Mark 1.14. Now look at 16.7. You see, congregation, you see, The end of Mark's gospel is tied to the beginning of Mark's gospel. In fact, please hear this. 
In fact, in the genius of God's providence, the end is determining the beginning of Mark's gospel. The beginning will have its consummation in the end. The temporal Sabbath points to and is consummated in the eternal Sabbath. Now you have to ask yourself, is this going over your heads? Nice gospel, Mark. Really neat connections, really neat kind of thing. Is this going over your head? Now how are you to respond to this? How do you respond? The response is in the mother-in-law. Are you looking at the text? The response is in the mother-in-law. She began to serve them. Nice, just a little phrase. She began to serve them. Verse 32. She serves Christ and the church. Embodied in this case in the disciples. Listen in terms of what has been coming through in terms of this pulpit. Please hear this. She lives out of her temporal resurrection as a preview of her eternal resurrection. I think you missed that. (laughs) I think you might have missed that. Let me repeat. She lives out of her temporal resurrection as a preview to her eternal resurrection. As repentant and believing sinners in Christ, we are already partakers by faith union with Christ in the eternal Sabbath. And thus, we will, we must serve the exalted Christ and one another in glorious heavenly enjoyment right now. Out of our worship in Christ's word, is victory over the evil one. We will live in the service of the power of his resurrection for the everlasting glory of his church. So I ask you this morning, how is your service 
to Christ and to his sheep, your fellow believers. How's that going in your life? I've made continual announcements. And people don't come forward to serve and to help on various situations. Well, that's somebody else. Somebody else is responsible. Peter's mother-in-law is an example to all of us in the church of service. Examine yourself. After all, the next Lord's Day, we're asked to examine ourselves before we partake of the Lord's Supper. Let that be on your heart this week in terms of the service in Christ's church. You see, congregation, in these three aspects, on this first day, terms of Mark's gospel, what he is putting before us is the essence, the essence of the Christian faith and how we live in Christ. Is this our life? Is this our life? Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we are so overwhelmed with the mercy and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and his servanthood unto each of us. How we ask, O Lord, that thou wilt bless this congregation in terms of the service to Christ in his church and to one another. Place this upon our hearts. May the text register in our hearts. May we live out of the accomplished resurrection of Christ as we ourselves are placed by him as gift in the heavenly places. Bless our work. May it be that which is for the glory of thy kingdom and church. In Jesus' name, amen.